Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for May 20th, 2018. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, There's Never Been a Better Time to Be the Church. I want to warn you, I am feeling on fire today. It's an odd feeling, really. It's been a fairly rough month, personally. I have not been myself, but I woke up this morning, and honestly, I felt on fire. Get ready. The wind blows through. The flames of fire leap above our heads. Our speech is rapid and yet understood by all who hear. It's Pentecost my favorite day of the year. I picked out my whole outfit today so that I could wear these red hot chili peppers. (laughs) My fingernails reflect the day. My toes still say go blue hose because we're still in baseball season. But otherwise, I am on fire today. It's better than Christmas. It's better than Easter. This should be the Sunday that folks show up. Yes, the birth of a baby is extraordinary, miraculous even. So is resurrection. But today, today is the birthday of the church and the day that the Spirit shows up and sets the church on fire. Like a rush of wind, the Spirit blows through and stirs things up. I would give just about anything if that would happen again today. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? Well, I have a word for you today. The flames are still dancing. The wind is still gusting. If only we have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to open and voices to speak. A couple of years ago, I was a part of a cohort of pastors, Episcopalian, Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Baptist. We met once a month for nine months, sharing stories and imagining together what it looks like to be the church in this day. As pastors are wont to do, we spent a good bit of time bemoaning declining church attendance and the cultural obstacles that stand in the way of folks being able to be really involved in regular life of the church, coupled with a sense of apathy that we sometimes detect among church members in our congregations, even as we try to proclaim good news in the midst of so much horrible and disturbing news, our facilitator said something that stuck with me. There has never been a better time to be the church. Since that day, that sentence has been taped to the computer monitor so that every single time I sit down at my desk in my office, here is what I see. There has never been a better time to be the church. Some days, that note is the only thing that keeps me coming back. And Pentecost is the perfect time to talk about it. Just think about it. In a day of rudeness and vulgarity, the church has the opportunity to speak the word love. 
It's difficult because we want to retaliate. We want to have the final say. We want to have the last word. And sometimes rudeness begets rudeness. But when the flames of the Spirit leap over us, and when the wind rushes around us, we speak love. The world lit up in a wedding homily that was offered yesterday by Bishop Michael Curry. If you've not listened to it, please do it this afternoon. Yes, I was one of those mesmerized by the snippets of the royal wedding. The elegant simplicity of the bride. She even lights for her freckles to show. She didn't have on much makeup. The groom and the best man decked out in their military regalia, spurs and all. The gospel choir. The boys that sang, the pomp, the circumstance, and yes, Bishop Curry's sermon. The world went to church yesterday. Did you hear what he said? He simply said, love. He proclaimed it from the rooftops. It was like the flames of fire were set loose in Windsor Castle. A mighty rush of wind blew through St. George's Chapel, and all he said was love. He said it with power. He said it with conviction. He said it with great gusto. He said it with passion. He had fire in his belly. And did you see that the congregation didn't quite know what to do with it? And he was being very calm for him. In a day when rudeness abounds, the Holy Spirit let loose on the biggest stage in the world yesterday and told us to love. There has never been a better time to love. To speak it, to embody it, to live it, to practice it. Love should ooze from our very pores. We're the church. It's what we do. It's who we are. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. Just think about it. In a day when school shootings seem almost like the norm, the church has the opportunity to say, enough. I saw a young teenager interviewed from, a Texas, from that Texas school yesterday. And the reporter asked her, is there a part of you that thought this is not real, this would never happen in my school? She almost laughed and said, no, I was not surprised. She said, it's been happening everywhere. I've always kind of felt that eventually it would happen here too. What kind of world are we living in that our children actually think, no, it'll probably happen here too. It's difficult because solutions are so laced in partisan politics that we can't even talk to each other anymore. Love, hello. But when the flames of the Spirit leap over us and the wind rushes around us, we, the church, we say, enough. The church must be a part of the solution to ask, 
why so many of our young white males are turning to violence. But we can talk all day long about the mass incarceration of African-American men, and it is astonishingly tragic, and we are culpable in that. But the predominantly white church ought to be asking, what is going on with our young men? What kind of hatred is being bred into the minds of young men that would cause them to gather an arsenal and use it on their peers? Are we watching carefully? Our young people, I mean. Are we looking for young men that are so alone, so alienated, so despairing that they resort to such levels of catastrophic violence to soothe their disturbed and raging being? Are we reaching out in compassion? Are we making sure that no child is alienated? Are we stopping the bullying in our elementary schools? Or are we just using the same language by tearing one another down? Are we paying attention? There has never been a better time to say enough, to speak it, to embody it, to live it, to practice it. We have the power to say enough is enough. Now let us do something, anything, to stop this particular madness. Maybe the something you can do is speak out about gun control. Maybe something you can do is march in the streets about that. Maybe something you can do is tutor in an elementary school and ask for a young boy who has no male influence in his life, men. No positive role model of male influence. If your voice is not speaking against gun control, speaking for gun control, I should stick with my notes. If your voice is not that, then the least you can do is for your voice to be, to be in the schools being a positive role model for young men. Both of these actions do something to quell the violence. Do something. There has never been a better time. Just think about it. In a day when immigrants and refugees are called aliens, illegal aliens, can you imagine being called that? It's insulting for a Christian to use that word for another human being. No one is alien. No one. The church has the opportunity to embody welcome and hospitality. I have in my manuscript, the church has the opportunity to embody welcome and hospitality as our middle name. Welcome and hospitality is our whole name. It is not our job, thank God, to set policy. But no matter what our country's policies are, and no matter what our national stance or our individual opinions about those stances are, there is nothing that keeps the church from being welcoming and hospitable. When the flames of the Spirit leap over us and the wind rushes around us, we welcome the stranger. Dick Hester 
is dangling a carrot out in front of us that we might join in with the group Atulado, which simply means by your side. By your side for those living and working who are seeking asylum. We have the resources to help them fill out paperwork. We have the ability to help them maneuver the systems and jump through the hoops. We can hold their hands and be their guide. You do realize that I could have voted for Donald Trump and you could have voted for Hillary Clinton and we could agree about this. The church says, welcome. It matters not what the law says. The church always says, welcome, period. I wish we were a sanctuary congregation. I wish we were a safe space for people seeking asylum because they're too scared to go back and live in their own land. And they've been told that here is a different way. The church, I don't care who you vote for in November, the church agrees to be a place of welcome and hospitality. If not, let's don't call ourselves the church. I told you I felt on fire today. There has never been a better time to say welcome, to speak it, to embody it, to live it, to practice it. It's one of the clearest commands in all of Scripture, and the church is failing on this. Our country obviously is failing, but the church is radically failing on this front. Hospitality should be what drives us and motivates us. Pentecost is the perfect time to think about all of this. I think we like to talk about the Holy Spirit coming among us as a calming force. I put this candle up here because it's wrapped in barbed wire. That's the Spirit. Yes, I think the Spirit does come and bring us calm and peace, and I think the Spirit can and should work that way. But on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit was set loose and disturbed the people. One commentator that I love, David Luce, describes Pentecost this way. He says, everywhere I look in these familiar Pentecost texts, the Holy Spirit isn't comforting anyone or anything, but instead is shaking things up. It's Jesus' testimony to the truth that got him in trouble in the first place. And the Holy Spirit comes to prompt the disciples to make the same disturbing, disruptive, and world-changing testimony that calls into question the values of the world. There's nothing particularly comforting about the rush of a violent wind, let alone the descending tongues of flame. And once the disciples take their new multilingual ability into the streets of Jerusalem, pretty much everyone who witnesses their activity is described as bewildered, amazed, and astonished. The Spirit didn't comfort anyone, but the Spirit prompted the disciples to make a very public scene with the troubling good news that the person the crowds had put to death was alive and well through the power of God. If Pentecost causes us to be disturbing and disruptive, might I suggest we start that activity 
by loving everyone, proclaiming that enough is enough, and extending radical and authentic hospitality. We will shake things up if we did just those three things. If our attitude and answer to everything was love, people wouldn't know what to do with that. If we speak truth to power, people will think we've lost our minds. If we are welcoming and affirming, people will be baffled by that kind of inclusion. And let's be honest, no one expects this behavior from the church. Historically, we don't have a good track record on these things. You know how people call us hypocrites? Because we come here saying we speak love and go out there and speak hate? Yet that we don't have a good track record. But that's who I want us to be. I want us to be the kind of church that people don't know what to do with us. I want us to be the kind of church that people will think we are crazy for trying to, treat, to change the world with good news. I want to be the kind of church that baffles people, people because we aren't looking for the feel-good, easy way. David Luce goes on to say that the Spirit intervenes, interrupts, and intercedes by giving voice to our deepest needs. I want us to intervene and interrupt and intercede like flames of fire and the rush of wind. I can't even imagine what we could do if we opened ourselves up to a Pentecostal kind of day. I can't even imagine what would happen if you all felt fire in your belly right now. You just sit there like vanilla. <laughs> it just drives me crazy. Because I know you feel it. But you squelch it. because The spirit isn't supposed to be set loose. Oh, no. The Spirit was made to be set loose. Stop squelching it. Let it burn within you. One of the most prominent preachers of our day, Thomas Long, says this about Pentecost. When all is said and done, the gift that we get on Pentecost is not the superficial gift of energy and excitement like an injection of artificial adrenaline. And it's not the kind of power that the world thinks of as power. The gift we get on Pentecost, he says, is the one gift we most desperately need and the world needs. Strangely enough, the gift of Pentecost is the gift of something to say. They spoke in all languages that everybody understood. A word to speak in the brokenness and tragedy of the world, that's unlike any other word you can speak. Did you notice what happened to the church when the Spirit was given? It stood up and it spoke up. It moved from silence to language. It talked and the whole world heard the good news in its own languages. One story. When Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was writing her famous book on death and dying, Part of her research involved interviewing dying patients in the hospital, trying to find out how they felt and thought as they faced death. As she went from room to room in the hospital, she began to notice a pattern. Sometimes she would go into a dying person's room and the person would be so calm and at peace and tranquil. And she noticed that when she entered those rooms, it was just after a certain hospital orderly had been in the room to clean it. 
One day, Dr. Ross happened to run into this particular custodian in the hospital corridor, and she said to her, what are you doing with my patients? And the orderly thought she was being reprimanded by the doctor. I'm not doing anything with your patients, she said. No, no, the doctor responded. It's a good thing. After you go into their room, they seem to be at peace. What are you doing with my patients? I just talked to them, the orderly said. You know, I had two babies of my own die on my lap, but God never abandoned me. I tell them that. I tell them that they are not alone, that God is with them, and that they don't have to be afraid. That's the gift of Pentecost. You have something to say, church. Say it. Speak it. Live it, embody it, enact it. Whether it's to the dying or the child that's being bullied. Whether it's to the person seeking freedom or the person dying in a hospital bed. There's a gift at Pentecost that speaks a good word. There has never been been a better time to be the church. It's why I come to work every day because despite all evidence to the contrary, I believe that. There has never been a better time to be the church. Will you believe it with me? Yes? Oh my goodness. <laughs> is the worst thing I have ever heard. I, I'm going to try it again. I'll try to be more passionate about it. There has never been a better time to be the church. It's why I come to work every day because despite all evidence to the contrary, I still believe it. Will you believe it with me? Oh, may it be so. This is the hardest job in America. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.